Welcome back to For the Boys, a podcast for the boys by the boys. This is Aiden, and it's been quite a while again. I a lot's been going on for me, you know. I just had finals and a lot of other things. I wasn't able to put as much time into this as I'd like to, but from now on, we should be good. I should have a lot more free time, allowing me to have a lot more time to edit these and actually get them out, hopefully at a more consistent pace. Now, in today's episode, I had a conversation with Dr. Kojo. He's a great, great, great doctor from the States, and he has a very prominent social media presence. Oh, also, this episode was recorded in 2020, so some of the dates may be off and some of the events might be off, but overall, the idea is still the same. And I just thought I should throw that little disclaimer there right before we start this episode. I don't want to spoil too much. I also don't want to talk too long because this was a very in-depth conversation. It went on for quite a while, and I just want you guys to listen. So uh, here you go. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Let me make sure to start this video. <laughs> How's your day been so far? I've been good, man. Uh, you know, I um, I was editing some videos today. I... Uh, Went on a walk to clear my mind, you know, um, pretty basic day. Yeah, so how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Can't complain. It's an honor to be on. You know, I'm Thank happy you. that we could reschedule and still find a time to connect. Yeah, I've just been, you know, working on this and working uh, on school. And it's just, I'm basically free all day because I'm working, but like I can easily move things around. So for me, almost all the time works. That's <laughs> good. It's going to be flexible. That's something I always try to have in there. So you, we want to talk about how, uh, why men still find it so hard to open up about mental health. Mm-hmm. So um, honestly, I just want to start off with, in your experience, why do you think that men find it so hard to open up about mental health? Uh, so, you know, I think men, men, you know, we struggle because of, you know, the way we were brought up. So we look to, you know, up to our fathers, our uncles, the guys on TV and you know, when we see a masculine man, you know, the definition of a masculine man, somebody who is always okay, like we're the last line of defense, you know, with our families at work, you know, we have to be strong and uh, being vulnerable and, and trying to talk about things that are bothering you are seen as traits that are not masculine. So for the longest, these things have been, you know, portrayed in the media. So until like as of late that we're trying to shift the narrative, um, it's been hard for you guys to get an example of a guy who is masculine, alpha, and all these things, but also at the same time vulnerable with his feelings. So if you don't have a blueprint on what to do, there's no way you can actually do it. So I think that's one of the main reasons why we struggle as men to, you know, be upfront with our feelings. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely hard when everything we've seen for until maybe the past five years or so is always so against that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are like, as a doctor, you know, what what are some of the issues that come with that, you know, with holding it in and not really uh, opening up about it? Yeah, so a lot, you know, I think as human beings, we were not designed, you know, to to hold everything in. You know, that's why you have people like me, you have counselors, you have therapists, because sometimes you have to get things off your chest. You know, like if I have a, a box and, and I put things inside of it and I overload it at some point, you have to take things out and readjust, you know, we have to recalibrate continuously you can't you can't put everything on yourself and as men you know we tend to do that because we're praised for 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 doing that and i've seen uh, many times in my experience i've seen patients who you know i work in an inpatient psychiatric hospital right so the people that i see you know normally there's some sort of crisis that's occurred which requires for them to be hospitalized on an inpatient basis you know it's an emergency so they come in we take care of them we get them straight and and things like that Uh, i've seen guys who have had some type of traumatic event happen Um, and trauma can be anything you know trauma can be like a a relationship that didn't go well or trauma could be the loss of a loved one trauma could be witnessing a car accident 
but I've seen men come in and like a year or years before they actually come in to see us, they've had like a series of traumatic events happen, you know, whether they lost a job, they lost a loved one, they were divorced, they lost a child, things like that. And then over a period of time, you see that when they never found somebody to talk to about these issues, it manifests, you know, in an emergency. Like they might explode and to have all this aggression and agitation and agitation is the highest form of anxiety. So you sit there anxious for so long and before you know it, it boils over and you just kind of like you let loose uh, is because you never have the outlet. Um, so that's what I've seen. I've seen people come in and uh, in my opinion, I feel like a lot of times I've seen people who came to the, the hospital for help, you know, not by their own will because they were admitted. And I think to myself, if they had gone to see somebody three years ago when they witnessed this traumatic event or when this thing happened to them, if they got those things off of their chest, they wouldn't be sitting in front of me here today. So, you know, my job is to help help them while they're in that state of crisis and then try to educate people to prevent somebody today, you know, in 2020 from years on the road being in that same position. So that's why these conversations are really important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I like I know from personal experience how hard it is really to open up because uh, when I was in eighth grade, so I was, I believe, 13 or 14 years old, something like that. I did uh, an exchange program and I went to France. And while I was there, I started having this weird feeling of always being nauseous and not being able to eat. And I lost my hunger and everything, right? I never really knew what it was. Um, and then I got back home and I started to sit with it. And I was like, I don't know what it was. I was always like scared of doing things. I was always like, I was just always basically anxious, right? And I remember I didn't want to tell anyone. I didn't want that to be something that people would associate me with. I didn't want it to be like a, a known thing, right? Until I finally broke down and I just told my parents. And they said, oh, that actually makes sense with some of the things you've been having. And then they got me a therapist. And then with the therapist, although I know it's technically their job, you know, to like actually listen and like try to help me, I still held back as much as I could. Right. You know, I, I still didn't want to open up, even though that's literally what I'm meant to be doing at that time. I, I still mm -hmm. didn't want to open up. And although I knew in my heart I should, I, I just didn't. And honestly, I, I don't know if I could say really why I didn't. And then once I finally, you know, once the therapist uh, basically diagnosed me with like general anxiety disorder, I, again, didn't want to tell my friends. I didn't, I, I like, I still, I tried to like lock it out almost until earlier this year where I've just come to accept it. I'm like, what? It's like, it doesn't define me. It's just something that's part of me. Right. No, I, I, I'll just jump in to say like, you know, when we see people at the hospital struggle a lot of times it's because they struggle with trying to accept, you know, there's this incongruence between reality as we have it and their expectations of how things should be. Like growing up as a child, you, you don't grow up with the expectation of, well, I'm going to get to my early teens, late 20s, um, and I'm going to have anxiety or bipolar or depression. Like, you know, those things happen and then you struggle to grapple with it and you have to, in some ways, grieve your old self and make peace with who you are now so that way once you've accepted who you are all your insecurities all your flaws all your strengths and all your weaknesses then once you're fully confident in who you are then you start working towards being the best version of your current self not living in the past um and that's you know that's the the goal you know we would hope with you know therapy and things like that no for sure yeah it's i don't know it's just it's it i just like i get like why it's so hard uh, i just think it's crazy that it is so hard right and like on top of that do you kind of think another reason why like maybe it is so hard is because a lot of times in like movies and shows and such like that mental health and mental illness almost is always portrayed as like the the villain has it or the the really like i don't want to say messed up person but like in the movie they're like broken and 
you know, like, like things like that. Do you think like that's maybe another reason why people find it so hard to accept it? Oh, oh for sure. Because, you know, you've seen like, and even in, in the media, when somebody, when there's a school shooting, you know, uh, you'll hear terms such as lone wolf. He was a little odd. He must have had a mental health issue when in reality, you know, there's no correlation between somebody having a mental illness and that making them more aggressive than the rest of the population. You know, but these are some of the preconceived notions that we have in our head because of things that you see on TV, things that you see in the media. Um, so it's up to us to, you know, reshape that narrative and have conversations like this. Um, because otherwise people, and I know a lot of people still today, you know, in the midst of all this mental health awareness, uh, you know, the movements and all that, people still think, like when they hear bipolar, they think that, oh, this person's aggressive. They're gonna hurt me, kill me, you know? So we still have uh, quite some work to do, um, but at least I think we're on the right path. Yeah, it's a start, it's a start. And as a doctor, are you uh, a doctor mainly for like mental health issues or are you also like a physical doctor that like helps with like broken bones and such? All right, right. so my uh, doctorate is a nursing practice. So I have a doctorate in nursing practice. So I'm a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner who has a doctorate. So I specialize in psychiatry, you know? So I work with individuals across the lifespan, you know, so they can be a kid or they can be, you know, old, 70, 80, but I'm most comfortable with adults 18 and over. So normally I see patients between 18 to 65 and my day-to-day tasks, uh, you know, consist of, you know, assessing them, diagnosing them and then prescribing psychiatric medications such as antidepressants, angiolytics, uh, mood stabilizers, antipsychotics, stimulants, if, if that's the case. Uh, but medications for individuals anywhere from 18 to 65, that's normally what I see in my day-to-day. And it's kind of like a more random question. I just kind of want to hear your opinion on this. But do you think there's a cure to any of these like health issues or such? Because I know personally, I believe that there isn't really a cure, rather just learning how to live within, learning how to surpass it almost. But like, at least I feel with my anxiety, like it's always going to be a part of me. It's always going to be in me, but I, I have, like, I have to learn just how to use it to my advantage right. and like almost overcome it. I, I personally don't know if there's a cure. So I'm, I'm just wondering, do you think there is a to these such things? So for the most part, I don't, I don't personally view mental health, you know, in, in the sense that, okay, somebody has this and my goal is to eradicate the illness. You know, my goal is to help somebody live their best life in spite of what's going on, you know, and that includes accepting the present, you know, with hope for the future that you can be what you want to be. And a lot of times there are some situations where the severity of a mental health condition will kind of incapacitate somebody from, you know, if they want to become like maybe their president, if they have like severe you know, like bipolar, severe schizophrenia, like they might not have, you know, the cognitive capabilities to, you know, go to university and get all these degrees and become a president, right? But for the most part, because, you know, one in four people, you know, uh, I think that's when I looked at the numbers most recently, one in four, one in five people will experience some form of a mental health condition in their life. You know, so this is becoming so much more common. I see it as, okay, this is something that people can have. And if we can get to the point where we can help people live their best life in spite of these things, that's the goal for me. Because for somebody who, let's say they're diabetic, you know, and their pancreas doesn't work correctly, like you, you know, you give them medications, you know, and sometimes they take medications for like a lifetime. Um, and that's how I feel with, uh, you know, mental health conditions. Sometimes people take medications for only a season, only a, a portion of time in their life. And other people, in my opinion, will need it for the rest of their life. But it's just like somebody who, if they lose a leg, right, you give them a prosthetic leg. 
and you allow them to live their life. They're able to walk around and ambulate, you know, so you won't take away the leg after they walk a good for like 10 years saying, okay, they can walk now. I'll take away the leg. No, this is a part of who they are and, and their being. So um, my goal is to help somebody live their most authentic life, despite whatever mental health challenge that they have. And also the thing is, you're also going to have like the way life is like, suffering and trauma and pain you know nobody is immune from having things like that so you're going to run into these issues and you have to be prepared for it you know so i believe in being you know radically honest and prepare people for the challenges of life um and just let them know hey we can have these things like you can have anxiety you know and you do your best but you don't want anxiety to have you you can have bipolar. You don't want bipolar to have you. You know, like when you when you phrase it a certain way, it's possessive. Like you have it. So when you have it, you manage it. But it, it has you. You have no control, you know, or you feel like you have no control. Um, and those things will frustrate you, you know, in my opinion. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. I, I was just honestly a bit curious as to how, yeah, you view that kind of thing. Another thing I'm just curious about is about how much of a percentage wise would you say you're, uh, you have male patients and women patients and female patients? It, it depends. So like I'm, my primary unit where I work is all male, all male unit. But uh, in terms of like what I see, like back when I was training in Georgia, it's funny because my coworkers, we try to keep Italian. Are we seeing more male patients or more female patients? And I wasn't able to determine the difference. Like I feel, I thought that at the psychiatric hospital, we were getting the same amount of patients, male and female. I didn't see it to be like more, more guys or more women. I felt like it was, at least for me, in my opinion, I felt like it was 50-50 or 55-45. Maybe we had more women than, than males, but I can't confirm or deny. I never really did the objective data and sat down to look at the numbers. Yeah, I was like, just like off a, off a glance, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll say 55-45 female to male ratio. I'll go with that. Yeah, that, that sounds fair. You know, that sounds like, just kind of shows how all of us go through this. It's not really a gendered thing. It's just something that us as humans go through. Right. It's, it's a part of the human experience, you know, and believe it or not, like the human experience, in my opinion, it, it sometimes is beautiful, sometimes it's devastating, you know, it's awesome, then it goes back to being awful, you know, that's just the human experience without things that we have to work through, we can't appreciate the good. So I try and just take in everything, you know. Yeah, for sure. I always say that, you know, without the bad, there'd be no good. Exactly. You can't, you would have no view of what's good if you had no view of what's bad. It, everything would just be eh. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to live a just eh life, you know? No. I want to live a good life, but with that comes the bad. Right. Like you said, a good life will have those bad parts, but you'll appreciate the good more when the, the bad is mixed in there and you've overcome, you know, like you have to have the adversity, you know, it only makes you that much more you know, um, stronger, you know, for the next thing that comes, because you're not going to have one, one big issue at the age of 14. And after that, you'll live a, like an easy life. No, like these things will happen. You know, that's, that's the, the cyclical nature of, of life. Right. And just, I'm just like, still just so shocked at how, like, as you said, one in five, I think you said people will experience some sort of like you, from what you remember. Right, right. I could be wrong, but I don't say one in five when I was looking at the, the statistics provided by Mental Health America. Is very common, like more people than you know. Like I would always say, just assume that more people than you think are struggling with some type of mental health condition because it's not talked about. So, you know, and it's not it's not so easily visible. You can't look at somebody and say, oh, they look, you know, like when somebody's anxious, of course, yes, it presents, you know, physically like sweaty palms and things like that. But if somebody's going about their day-to-day -day life, you can't tell if they have anxiety or if they have 
schizophrenia, bipolar, you can't tell that they have PTSD. These are things that you have to pick up talking to them. That's why when people, when patients come in, we sit down, we get detailed history. We have to get collateral information from their family, see how they were growing up. Is this new onset? Is it drug-related psychosis? Or, you know, like we have to know, have they been going days without sleeping or eating? We have to get all this information to come up with a working diagnosis and eventually we try and get a confirmatory diagnosis and then we try and treat them. But in your day-to-day, like, you know, you can be in New York City on the subway. You see all these people coming in and going out. You don't know who has what, you know. Now, if somebody is uh, paralyzed, you can tell they're in a wheelchair. So you say, oh, okay, you know, that. They're, they're paralyzed or you know they're quadriplegic. Like you, you, you can you can tell that you know if somebody has a medical condition to where they can't walk properly. Okay, they're struggling with this or, or that. But mental health conditions, you can't just look at somebody and tell uh, like what's going on with them. And so that's why I would say just assume that more people than you expect are going through something. And in a year like 2020, everybody is having their own form of uh, a, a struggle because we're being forced to adjust with things. Things you know, are no longer in our control. They never were, but now things are less in our control. So it's a continuous adjustment that we have to make every few weeks, every month. You know, we have to, and every couple of months, we have to constantly recalibrate to figure out where we are, what do we need, are we taking care of ourselves? So yeah, that's, those are my thoughts. Speaking of which, like about uh, 2020 and, you know, COVID and all that, do you find that you've had like more patients over this time span? And do you find that people are like having more outbreaks, I guess, of mental health issues? For sure. Yeah, I, I see it. I, I, I see. I feel like, you know, you, you have the duality of during COVID, you know, I feel like me and my coworkers were at higher risk for being burnt out, you know, so I took off last week, you know, from work, I took it off, traveled a little bit, you know, wore my mask, you know, got some extra sleep. So like, I'm having to constantly do things like take time off from work or, you know, take a, day, a whole day where I just watch football, get my mind off of things. Because you have to do these things to, you know, be preemptive and, and, and take care of yourself, you know. So you're having people who are working within the healthcare system. They're having to do more to take care of the mental health. If they if we continue to do the same thing that we've been doing for self-care, we will deteriorate. And then on the other side of things, we're seeing people coming in, people who have been sober, they've been clean from alcohol and drugs for years and years and years, but they reach a break breaking point to where COVID came, maybe their kids came back from school and then they're stressed because their kids are schooled and they're stressed because, you know, their spouse may have lost their job. And on top of that, you know, they're not getting the finances that they used to get. Their savings are being depleted. You know, you're worried about foreclosure, all of these things. And it gets to the point where you have a breaking point and then sometimes people don't have the necessary coping skills to deal with the day-to-day. So all they can think of is, oh, well, when I was high or when I was on drugs, that was the only way I could numb the pain and I've been doing good. But now it's gotten to the point where I don't know what else to do. So I have to resort to what I knew would work, you know, um, like all, all the maladaptive coping, you know, strategies that people have, whether it's drugs, alcohol, um, sex, gambling. Um, and these are all things if used appropriately, like a lot of the pain pills that are being abused, if you you have surgery and you're prescribed it and you take it the proper way, it'll be helpful because you're in pain, right? You know, if if you're married, you have a healthy sex life, that's fine, you know, but it becomes maladaptive when you overdo it or you abuse them and you binge and you, people tend to overdose and all these things come from the fact that it's been such a stressful year. People don't know what else to do. Like they're on their last straw. They don't know where to go, who to turn to. And 
when they look for help, the person that they're asking for help is asking them for help because everybody's in this pandemic together. So it's been a very, very difficult year. Um, it's been heartbreaking to see people who have been working on their sobriety, been sober for years, come back to the hospital. But I try and, you know, my glass is always half full. So when somebody comes back into the hospital, I see it as a positive thing because not everybody who you know, overdoses intentionally or unintentionally will be alive. You know, some people that's the end of them. So if you're alive and you're able to come back to the hospital, you know, of course, there'll be some shame and guilt from, you know, relapsing. But, you know, once you get over that, I'm like, hey, we're happy to have you here. You know, we want you here. Let's get back and let's try and diagnose what happened so we can get you back out there and we can prepare you for success because we have to all adjust how we live in 2020 um, with the pandemic. And even in 2021, we're not sure what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen with the election. I have no idea what's going to happen with a vaccine. So I have to prepare just in case. So I need to do the things that I need to do. And it comes from being self-aware. Like I know that I'm a person, I love my job. I think it gives me fantastic purpose. I love it. I love social media, but I know that sleep and rest, exercise, these things are necessary. So I have to take the time off in advance, you know, because I can't just decide not to go to work tomorrow. People's lives are depending on me. So I have to take the time in advance, communicate, do all these things and be self-aware. And sometimes I'll take off days when I want to go to work and get paid, but I'm like, okay, let me pick up this day just in case because I might get to the end of November or December and I might be tired. So I'll take off the day. I might just play video games, walk the dog or whatever the case may be, but you have to become your own biggest fan and be unapologetic of how you take care of yourself. Um, and for me, I would say it's quite easy for me to do that because I work in an environment where I see the results of people who, you know, maybe through no fault of their own, are back in the hospital because they didn't have effective coping strategies. So I have daily reminders of, hey, you need to take care of yourself and you need to put yourself in the best position to take care of other people. For sure. And I know obviously mental health is kind of something that each person has to do. Like it's very different to each person, right? Like even two people with anxiety have very different symptoms, very different uh, ways they can overcome it and such. But what do you find is like, I don't want to say the best cure, but like the best thing that someone should do in a time like this, where maybe they don't have the resources to go to like a doctor or they don't have the time or they, they don't feel safe, you know, leaving the house or something like that. What's the best thing you can do that's kind of obviously won't for sure work, right, right. but has a good chance of working. So I'd like to start by saying if it's an emergent situation where either there's imminent threat to you, you know, or somebody that you love, or, you know, you feel like you're at the point where you're not sure about what you're going to do next. You might either harm yourself, or if you see like a situation that's occurring in your vicinity to where you're like, okay, I don't have, my gut feeling tells me that this could be an emergency or a crisis. I always, always, always say, please seek emergent services as soon as possible. The suicide hotline, crisis hotline, ER 911. Mm -hmm. So that right there is probably the best advice. If there's an acute crisis, please seek help as soon as possible. Now, if you're just, you're functioning, you're doing your day to day, I would say the best thing to do is to be as proactive and as preemptive as possible. So be self-aware. Like we all know what our triggers are, or we would hope that you know what your triggers are. So I would say be self-aware. Like I would say, take a paper and write down what does self-care look like for me? And write down five things that illustrate what self-care looks like for you at that time. Because I guarantee you, if you wrote down what self-care looked like for you in January of this year, it'd be different to you know today. January of this year, like I was in Baltimore for a football playoff game, you know, 
surrounded by people and having so much fun. COVID thing was going on in China, but it hadn't really come to the U.S. back then. But I was having fun. So, like, self-care for me would have been traveling here and there and, you know, going and spend time with people, leaving the country, you know. So I cannot do that now. Of course, you can travel with a mask and, you know, you can be careful. You can't have big hangouts and things like that. So I can't go to a, a music concert now for self-care. So now self-care for me looks like getting enough sleep. You know, it looks like spending time with, you know, my, my dog, spending time with my family on FaceTime, you know, make sure that I leave work on time because it's getting darker outside because of the time change. So by the time I leave work, I want to have some time to enjoy the sunlight, enjoy my, my puppy. You know, this time of the year is where a lot of people who struggle with seasonal depression, it gets really bad for them. So because I know that, okay, we're, we have an interesting year where we have people who might not be able to go back home and see their families. Then you have potential seasonal depression. Then you have the flu season. Then you have a potential second outbreak of COVID. So there's a whole lot going on. And to me, it's not fine, but I, I'm un understanding of what's happening. So I'm going to be as open with myself and say, hey, Kojo, what do I need? Like this time last year, I was in an apartment, you know, a few miles down the road, and the lighting in the apartment wasn't as good, you know. But now I have, of course, different TikTok lights and whatnot, but I have like six lights here, one light there, one light there, two lights down the hallway, a few in the bathroom. I have lamps everywhere. I have much more space. And it's important for me because, for example, with seasonal depression, we use light therapy, something that can be beneficial. So I realized that last year, I'm like, dang, like I was losing energy because it was so dark outside. So realizing how this year is different, I'm like, okay, I need to be proactive. I moved into a different apartment, have more lights, I have more space. I'm much more comfortable here because I know that this is what self-care looks like this for me this year, you know? And if you flip back to last year, I was in a relationship. So, you know, I had my ex-girlfriend coming over and things like that. So now I don't have that. And then even family, you know, my brother or cousins, they'll come over, but I can't bring the whole gang over here and have fun like we used to. So I have to be kind to myself, not work myself out. I have to do things that I enjoy. You know, I have to know that, okay, it's been a long year for you. You've worked in the front lines as a healthcare worker. So you could be emotionally spent out. On top of that, you don't know what's going to happen in the future. So we have that uncertainty right there, which will make anybody anxious. So I have to be aware of that. Then I know, okay, I have to be kind to myself. Let's say I had a relationship where that was where I got a lot of emotional help. So now I have to understand, okay, I have to do this on my own. So this year, I might have to play more video games. I might have to call the guys up, you know, and, and have more fun. You know, I might take the dog out. I might do like a little Zoom party. So... For everybody, it's going to look different based on what's happened to you. Like, I've, I've had patients die this year. You know, like, like I said, patients have lost their lives. You know, a relationship that didn't work out. You know, all these different struggles. So I'm like, okay, these things happened. I wasn't happy that it happened. But the matter of the case, it happened. So now I must adjust. I must recalibrate. I must accept what's happening in, in the present and move on for the future. So for me, it's kind of like I've had like a toolbox of all these things. I'm going to do all these things for my own personal self-care. So I know what makes me happy. I know that you know if I can't be in Atlanta for Christmas, I can send my niece a present and I can watch her on Zoom and I can see her open it and I get excited with her. So I'm thinking in advance. So for anybody out there who, granted, you're not in a crisis situation where your life or somebody else's life is a danger, be as upfront with yourself as possible. If you tell yourself, I think I might need a therapist. 
chances are you probably need one if you're having that type of dialogue inside your head. If you feel like, oh, I think I need to take some time off from work, I'm burned out, or I, I might need to take, uh, you know, do some schoolwork in advance and take a day off and just relax or go to the beach and just lay there. Do, do that stuff because nobody knows what you need as much as you know. You know, people will give you suggestions here and there, but they don't know you like you know yourself. So my thing is like get in tune with yourself, figure out what you need and then go from there. So I would say this is a good time for people to be selfish. You know, and nobody teaches you how to be selfish growing up, but be selfish. And it's a respectful thing. Cause if you're not, like if I don't do all these things for myself, you could say that I'm being selfish by moving to a bigger apartment, having a nice place, having PlayStation set up, having, you know, like a, a GoPro here for YouTube videos and, going bike riding, all these things that I'm doing to boost myself up can be seen as selfish, but it's a version of self-care. And these are the things that allow me to go out there and go to the hospital and then be my best to take care of other people. So I would pretty much say, do those things. Don't apologize because pe people might make you feel guilty. Like, why are you doing that? Why do you go by a girl? Go I want to be on social media and, and do this stuff. You might not. So you would value something else, you know? So that's what I do for myself. And I just say people should be upfront, figure out what you need for yourself and make no apologies about anything. For sure. I, so with the uh, getting dark early, I 100% I, I agree with you on that. Like you said, today we went back in time, right? Uh, here in Toronto, literally 4 p.m., it's pitched black outside. 4 p.m. I was just sitting here, you know, I was editing a video, I started at three. I finished at four. I look out. Oh, there's no sun anymore. These things happen. And it does actually really, like you said, it really does affect your mood. Yeah, it affects your mood. And like, for example, like I make TikTok videos a lot and I prefer, like I will have to make some tonight because of my schedule tomorrow with my, my high beams. I have highlights. I can simulate like a bright environment, but I love the natural lighting. So, you know, like I'm, I'm much more productive when it's, you know, the lights outside. Um, so you, you only have a few hours in the day now in your waking day to, to do stuff. So you have to adjust to these things. You have to be okay with knowing that, Hey, I get my five o'clock it's, it's game over. It's super dark. We can't change it. We're going to go through this for the next couple of months. You accept it and you, you live with it and you make the best of the situation, you know? Uh, also kind of going back to a while ago about the patients coming into for emergencies. Do you think that another reason why people kind of hold it in so much is because a lot of us don't really know how mild versions of mental health looks like because obviously we see these extremes in like in movies like for instance joker you know you see the extreme of some sort of uh i don't know what he had some some sort of mental uh issue right but we don't tend to see mild versions of it right we don't tend to see like versions that affect the day-to-day -day person so do you think that's another reason as to why maybe some people don't talk about it because they just don't think they have it Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, because like with things like depression, like you'll see changes in appetite and you know, changes in sleep. Sometimes you can have people who are sleeping too much and eating too much, you know, atypical signs of depression. But normally you see people not sleeping enough, not eating enough, losing interest in things that they used to do. Like, you no, know, you used to love to go skateboarding every, you know, Tuesday and Thursday. And now you, know, you look at your skateboard and you're like, I don't feel like doing it, but um, nothing's going on. Or you find yourself kind of sleeping the whole day away. You know, or you see like your concentration is not really there or you start having these thoughts, you know, within yourself. Like, OK, I, I, I don't, not that I want to hurt myself, but it's, 
something hurt me, I would be upset. So like sometimes you have these mild symptoms of depression, you know, and they don't even have to last for like two weeks for it to be like clinically diagnosed. But when you start to see things like that, people normally will chalk it up to, oh, it's just been a rough week or something like that. But if you, if you had more insight or if people were more educated, that's why in my uh, TikTok bio, I have mental health, free mental health screening tools for anybody to go in there and check it out, you know? So if people were more educated, like, oh, the fact that I'm eating and sleeping more, maybe my mental health is not as good as I thought it was. You know, if I'm being a little bit more impulsive, I'm doing some things that are, you know, risky, or if I'm spending money that I don't have, maybe that could be a sign that, like, my mental health is not as good as it should be. Poor judgment, you know? But a lot of times, because people don't know, you see them maybe medicate with self-medicate with drugs and alcohol because it's, it's a quick fix. Like you will feel better in the short term. You'll feel really good. But the the aftermath is going to feel really bad, um, you know. So that's why it's important for people to get the education that they need so they know what's going on. For sure. I know like in my school, we, we learned a lot about like drugs. We learned a lot about like the problems with alcohol and drugs and uh, smoking and all that. But we didn't learn much about mental health, you know, like very little. The Really the only time I truly ever learned about mental health was in drama class by my last year uh, when the COVID break started happening, you know, where uh, we weren't going to school anymore. Uh, my drama teacher literally just said, just take time for yourself to relax. You know, like you have to be feeling well. And that was probably the only time I've actually gone like a, any sort of mental health talk at school other than the obvious, like don't bully people, you know, like uh, the, those kind of like BS talks as you can tell mm-hmm. aren't genuine and things like that. Right. Yeah. So, so I think, no, I know that, you know, there needs to be some type of reformation within the educational system. You know, mental health needs to be a priority. Um, and we've put it, you know, on the back burner for so long, but COVID-19 is, you know, if, this virus is happens to be the catalyst that gets people to talk about mental health awareness. Then um, we could look back, you know, a few years from now, you know, with a revisionist perspective, and could see that maybe this virus did bring some good about. Um, and of course, it's, it's a devastating, terrible thing. Hundreds of thousands of people have lost their lives. So I don't want to, you know, be taken out of context, and people think that I'm happy for the, you know, I'm not happy that this is happening. But but now that it's happening. I'm trying to find the silver lining. I'm trying to accept it for what it is and extract something good out of it. For sure. Yeah. It, it, it's terrible that it's happening, but the fact that it is, we just have to make what's best of it, you know, like try to use it to our advantage, even though it sucks so, so much. I'm assuming, yeah, I'm assuming, especially if you, for working in the hospital, you've probably seen countless people suffering from it or even passing away from it. Right. right. So I work in the psych hospital, so we don't work like in the medical front line. So I don't see like, I don't work in the ICU to where I see those patients, but if we have patients who test positive, then we have to quarantine them and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, in the medical field, it's been tough for healthcare providers who've had to be on, on the front lines. It's been, it's been difficult. For sure. Yeah. I honestly, I don't know how you do it. I, I really don't. I, I know I wouldn't be able day to. Day by day. Day by day. <laughs> Obviously, we like you were saying, we sh- we, it has to become something that's kind of more talked about and normalized. But how do you think we can start to like normalize mental health and um, kind of get away from the image that like, you know, a man doesn't have depression or a man doesn't have, you know, things like that? Like, how do you think we can kind of improve? From well, that? I do personally. I, I create an environment around myself to where I'm comfortable with sharing things to people that I care about and people who care about me. So I create that environment, you know, where I can thrive and I allow other people to thrive within my ecosystem, you know. So I, you know, even the guys I hang out with, like I can be upfront with them and call them and say, hey, man, I'm not having a good day. Maybe something happened to work or maybe I lost a patient and I don't have energy today or 
like, like I re- uh, referenced earlier, maybe I'm going through a breakup and feeling down today. Like, I, you know, you'll feel down, you know, but I, I try my best. One thing I do, I try not to feel down about the same thing twice. So if, I, if I'm down about a breakup on Monday, that's fine. Go through it, understand it. I'll talk to the guys and I have guys who won't be like, oh, oh, you're a loser. No, the guys I hang out with, you know, they're going to reinforce the fact that, okay, you take care of yourself and they're going to support me. Likewise, when they're going through something, I'll support them too. So I never try to have two bad days in a row about the same thing. Obviously, if something devastating happens, like, you know, you lose a close family member, you will grieve for a while. But if I can control it, I will not allow myself to be upset about the same thing two days in a row. I'll go through it. Boom, Tuesday comes. And then my mind says, okay, I'm going to have the best day ever. But like I said, your environment and the people who you keep around you is huge. Like, I try and keep it as positive as possible. It's ain't by any type of drama, negativity um, that I can just get away from. You know, I won't, like, call you out or anything, but I'll just kind of distance myself. Because I have to be in the most positive headspace to do my job, right? But then also to take care of myself. So uh, I, my, I'm very selective with the things that I allow, you know, to come within my circle. Like my bubble, you know, the cultural bubble is only filled with positivity. People who are willing to work on themselves, people who are willing to be accountable and hold the ones that they love accountable as well. Um, so that's a good way to get the conversation going. Otherwise, it's going to be hard because when you feel like people are judging you or you're concerned about the pains of other people, you live within this mental prison to where you can't break out. You can't be your most authentic self because you're, you're concerned that, okay, people are going to look down at me. People are gonna, frankly, I don't care about what people think about me. Like, it is what it is. Obviously, I listen. I don't want to be hurting somebody unintentionally. Like, I don't want to make anybody feel yeah. bad. But somebody's opinion on how I choose to live my life on how I choose to take care of myself, on how I choose to go about my day-to-day affairs. Uh, that's none of my business. So people will always have an opinion and they will always judge you. So they're doing that job. I don't have to do that job. So I let them do what they want to do uh, and it's fine. And as you know, like when you have a social media platform that's getting bigger and bigger, people will say things and um, that's just, it comes with the territory. Like you have people who say, oh, your videos have helped me out so much. I appreciate it. And on the other hand, you'll have people who get a lot of slurs, people who want attention. Um, I see them in the comments. I don't have anything to say to them. I just, like, I'm, I'm moving on. I'm even, I don't even want to give them any airtime on this podcast because then they've accomplished their goal. Like, I see it, I peep it, and I move on. I have to go to a positive environment um, because that's where I choose to, to reside in. For sure. Like, honestly, if I ever, like, whenever I ever get hate comments, I honestly, I'm just like, okay, cool. Most of the times I laugh it off because I I find them funny, honestly, like 70% of the time. But I'm just like, you know, you do realize you're kind of just helping me out, if anything, because the more you comment, the more all the algorithms like it and they bring it out to more people and these people actually appreciate it. So, you know, thank you for commenting. Like, I don't care. I I always just find it funny. (laughs) Right. I think it's amusing, entertaining, and um, I I, I pay no attention to it. I have to move on to the next. I got to be productive with my time. So I move on. Yeah, exactly. And I guess kind of just like to end it off, what do you think is like kind of just the most important thing for people to know about like just anything we basically talked about? I would say, you know, I'm I'm working on my second book right now. And uh, within that book, a heavy theme in the book is going to be self-care and you. The issue lies within ourselves. Nobody is responsible for our happiness. Nobody is responsible for fixing us. You know, obviously, if somebody's going through a mental health condition to where they're really struggling, that's my job. I come in to help you out. I come in to assess you with a diagnosis you need and medications and therapy. We provide that 
within the hospital. And when we send you home, it's up to you to live your life on your own. But I want to put people in the best position to do that, you know. But by the nature of how things work, when somebody is really struggling with a mental health condition, for example, depression, sometimes they can't do it for themselves. But we try our best to help them out, support them wherever they are, and empower them to do, like, I want to help you help yourself instead of doing things for you. Because once somebody can do things on their own, there's nothing more empowering and, and liberating. So I would say, you know, mental health awareness is going to be at the forefront of everything we do. Sports, entertainment, culture, media, business. It's becoming the most important thing. Like if you have a sound mind and you're able to make rational decisions, you have a lot. And that's not something you should take lightly. Not something you should take for granted. Uh, you should wake up every morning. I try my best to not take anything for granted. I try and be thankful for a sound mind, ability to make decisions, to be able to operate a vehicle. These are the small things that we just, we're like, okay, you know, everybody has this, but to be able to have, when things are right mentally here in your mind, there's nothing you can't do. You can you can't be stopped. You can do anything you want to do. You can be anybody you want to be, but you have to work on you know, your, your mental mindset um, and you have to allow yourself to have breaks. We go for physicals and we have checkups every year for our physical health. Go get a checkup with your mental health. Figure out more insight into yourself. What does self-care look like right now for me? You know, I said I, I spend time with the friends, my guys, and playing video games. If I'm playing too too much video games, maybe next month I need to take time off and do something, get more active. But constantly recalibrating. I would say put the focus on yourself. This is a year where we should be selfish to be selfless. So let's be as selfish and let's work on ourselves and let's understand that mental health is something that we need to talk about. And the more we do that, we're going to lead by example. And you'll see people taking care of themselves and people talking about how important it is to talk about mental health awareness, the importance of being kind, the importance of helping people, helping people help themselves. So that's the main thing I have to say. Just focus on yourself and figure out what can I do to help myself which in turn will help other people. Anyways, yeah, so that was our conversation. I, I hope you enjoyed it. Again, it was a very long one, so I don't want to keep you here for too long. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at ForTheBoys underscore pod. And if you like this episode, why not give it a share? It really helps us out. As always, if you ever want to talk about something, my DMs are always open. And hopefully by talking, we can make sure that others know that they're not alone and we can really help one another out. Anyways, this has been Aiden. I'll see you guys soon. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.